Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this edition of News in Focus is your host, Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. Well, last night was the first of the uh, in the series this year, uh, in the calendar year of 2024, of the U.S. Senate debates uh, for those running for Ohio U.S. Senator. And that was uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose, businessman from uh, Cleveland area Bernie Marino, and State Senator Matt Dolan, of course, participated as the three candidates on the Republican side challenging for the March 19th primary. The winner of that primary, of course, will be the Republican nominee for the November election to face off against Sherrod Brown, the current uh, Democratic uh, liberal, actually, U.S. senator, uh, that uh, many scratch their head when Ohio, of course, is uh, a Trump country and the president has won this state resoundingly. In fact, he's leading again in the polls here in Ohio you would think that uh, Ohio would actually have a Republican or conservative U.S. senator. But we'll find out in November, and on March 19th, we're going to find out who among the three will win in this primary. Well, again, uh, that link of last night's uh, debate is on our website at ohioca.org. The Ohio Christian Alliance does not endorse any particular party or candidate. However, we are conservative. And we uh, stand for pro-life, pro-family issues, and uh, we'd like you to take a listen to that debate as they do discuss immigration, they discuss abortion, they discuss even the transgender uh, controversy that's going on at the Ohio State House with House Bill 68, uh, which uh, the Senate is scheduled to override the governor's veto on Wednesday, and the, the bill and the law will go into effect, thankfully, banning uh, hormone-blocking uh, uh, drugs, and, of course, sexual sex, uh, mutilation surgeries on minors. If the bill goes into effect, that's House Bill 68, the Ohio SAFE Act, and, of course, prevent males from competing against girls and women in sports. It's a common-sense piece of legislation. The governor shocked everyone when he vetoed the legislation. The Ohio House, earlier this month, in a resounding fashion, with 65 votes of the 99 votes in the House, 65 of them voted to override the governor's veto. Uh, so that was big news. And, of course, uh, Senate President Huffman has said he has the 20 votes uh, to override in the Senate. Well, then it will take 90 days for the law to go into effect here in the state of Ohio. Well, again, that link for last night's uh, forum on or debate, actually, of the U.S. Uh, uh, debate of uh, the U.S. Senate will be on our website. You can click that and watch it. It was uh, aired by Fox 8 out of Cleveland, but it was also broadcast around the state. Well, this last Friday was the annual March for Life in Washington, D.C. It's been 51 years since Roe v. Wade, and of course, it's been a year and a half or two years since the overturning of Roe with the Dobbs decision. But with that, it opened up Pandora's box back in the states because now what the court said was basically that the states shall decide on abortion. The radical left wasted no time and spent millions of dollars with radical abortion constitutional amendments and exploiting the constitutional amendment process in the states 
of Michigan and Ohio and other states, and they have a whole list of states that they want to put on the November ballot this year, which will spell disaster for the pro-life movement. However, there is a silver lining. You say, how can there be a silver lining in Ohio when they just uh, put enshrined into the Ohio Constitution the most radical abortion policy in the country, in fact, uh, tantamount to what is North Korea? There is no restrictions, according to this language, unless the courts decide otherwise. And we're going to hear a number of cases before the Ohio Supreme Court that will challenge issue one as to what it says and what it does not say. Uh, our contention was that the language was broad, it was ambiguous, uh, it was um, multi-subject, uh, but some of the politicals did not uh, see that. The state attorney general, Dave Yost, upheld the single-subject uh, uh, notion of it. Uh, that was his interpretation. Others argued that it was multi-subject. Well, we're going to find out because the courts are going to battle this out in the next couple of years here in the state of Ohio. And by the way, we will be electing new state Supreme Court members. And if the radical left gets hold of our state Supreme Court, it will spell disaster for the pro-life movement. Well, I want to introduce our guest today. He is the executive director of Ohio Right to Life. His name is Peter Range. He graduated from University of Notre Dame with a master's in theology with a focus in biblical studies in 2009. Before that, he received his Bachelor of Arts in history from John Carroll University in 2004. Peter has worked in ministries that include serving immigrant families in Florida, inner-city youth in Cleveland, university students in Bowling Green, Ohio, and the homeless in Cleveland and Toledo, and of course is now serving as the executive director of Ohio Right to Life. Please welcome my good friend Peter Range. Peter, welcome to the program. Chris, thanks so much for having me today. It's always good to be with you. Well, it's great that you're with us, and thank you for taking the opportunity to uh, come on the program today. You were in Washington on Friday. Tell us about the annual March for Life. Well, I tell you what, I've been to probably 20 different marches, whether leading groups here from Ohio or just traveling down myself. And with everything that took place in Ohio this past year, uh, I kind of went on a short little pilgrimage myself. And uh, for the first time, instead of just you know being a part of the march, I wanted to see the front of the march and just kind of watch the folks go by. And to see the, the waves of people, uh, rows after rows of just pro-life young Americans saying we believe in the sanctity and dignity of human life just brought me to tears and gave me hope once again that we shall overcome, that we will find ourselves in a day here in this country where every single human life from the very moment of conception is protected because this is God's law. This is God's truth. This is the way that God designed the human person to be respected, loved, and cherished. And so for me personally, it was just uh, a reminder of God's faithfulness and his goodness that he is still acting in and through his people. And then I got to talk to some of our great uh, you know, congressional leaders, Jim Jordan, um, some others, uh, Bob Latta, who's kind of hosting uh, folks in from the Ohio delegation. Didn't get a chance to see Bob, but I know Bob is consistently fighting for life uh, in Congress, uh, which was great. And then I met with uh, state leaders uh, from all these other states that are going to be facing kind of ballot initiatives uh, from Nebraska to Missouri to Florida this upcoming year. And so they've got a tough uh, road ahead of them, uh, but just offering what uh, assistance we could from our experience here in the state of Ohio. But overall, the march just brought me hope uh, that, again, we shall overcome if we stay faithful to what God has called us to do. 
Well, that's right, and I'm looking at the video right now that kind of fast-forwarded in speed on Twitter. There was some shares of the marchers as they're coming by uh, by the U.S. Capitol, and there was a great crowd uh, once again, which is awesome because it's important to show that show of strength of the pro-life movement uh, to members of Congress who are watching, and of course, Speaker of the U.S. House, Mike Johnson of Louisiana did come and address the attendees, as well as uh, Pastor Greg Laurie from California, uh, the big movie, The Jesus Revolution, that he and his wife were featured in, also addressed the crowd and, and, and led them in prayer. So it was really great to see the, the strong turnout for uh, the March for Life on the 19th. Of course, it was a snowy day uh, in Washington, but uh, folks came from all across the country again to stand for life. And the debate is far from over. In fact, you can almost say at this point it's a reboot uh, with the fall of Roe and the ent- entrance of Dobbs and the what's happening in the states. Um, in fact, I think a lot of people in our country and came up in the Senate debate last night with Bernie Marino said it's unbelievable what's illegalized now in Ohio with this ballot initiative. And he said whether we're talking about a 12 or 15 week ban. Uh, with uh, uh, banning, he said, it's no-brainer to ban federal funds of abortion. That shouldn't be happening. So there are things that we can do politically and legislatively, even on the federal level, that we need to keep up the fight. Your thoughts, Peter? Yeah, 100%. I think us in the pro-life movement, we can't keep our eyes off the North Star. I mean, we're going to have to make compromises, no doubt about it. Uh, If we can take ground, we should take that ground. But we can never lose sight that our ultimate goal is the abolition of abortion. It's the restoration of culture. It's making abortion not only unthinkable, but also illegal, because uh, I think we lose sight of the fact that this is innocent human life, which is destroyed, which is killed, which is murdered in the abortion procedure. And I think because we work so much in the movement, we kind of uh, lose sight of that reality. I often have to go back and watch some videos from live action that they do, that they put together just of you know, this is what an abortion looks like. So I encourage your listeners to go to liveaction.org and watch some of the videos that they've put together as well. But, you know, for your listeners, I wonder if we could just kind of level set for people here in the state of Ohio. Uh, All Ohio law right now, uh, you know, of course, issue one was passed November 7th. It went into effect on December December 7th. But every pro-life law remains in place until legislative or judicial action. Um, so this is significantly more likely to be dealt with in the court because we have supermajority uh, pro-life representatives in both the House and the Senate here in the state of Ohio. Uh, but the, the Supreme Court has already kind of signaled here in Ohio that due to a change in law, uh, that a lot of the pro-life laws that have been passed since 2011, I mean, you're talking over 20 different bills, that's everything from defunding a Planned Parenthood in 2012 to the Down Syndrome Non-Discrimination Act of 2017 to the Heartbeat Bill in 2019 to the Born Alive Infant Protection Act. All of these are in danger, unfortunately, here in the state of Ohio. So I think some laws will have a chance to stand. Speaking to some legal experts around the state of Ohio, this is, you know, my opinion on this. But, you know, I think the transfer agreements, for example, that we have for ambulatory surgical centers, because that affects every ambulatory surgical center, that that is a law that will stand for our abortion facilities as well. Uh, But there are laws that are in jeopardy. There's no doubt about it. I mean, when you look at juvenile consent here in the state of Ohio, that you need a parent guardian or other person legally responsible for the patient to agree for an abortion for a minor, um, that's going to be attacked because, again, the language of issue one was every individual 
has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions. Uh, the abortion related to Down syndrome, I think that's uh, going to be challenged as well. Of course, we are you know the heartbeat laws in the courts, uh, and there might be some things we might be able to do, Chris, from a legislative perspective to protect different laws, such as the fetal remains law. That's the final disposition of any fetal remains from a surgical abortion, that that child should be cremated or there should be internment. Uh, this, again, just brings dignity to the child who has been lost. Um, so that might be something that we'll be able to defend here in court. But you can look at the next 60 days or so. A lot of these filings, uh, they'll come up in county courts. Uh, you can sign up at ohiolife.org if you want to learn more about these kind of individual cases. You can also create a Google alert uh, and just kind of check out uh, what's going on there. But uh, excited to kind of share some some next steps that we're thinking about legislatively as well. But uh, at the end of the day, the reality is we have to face what happened with issue one passing, but not lose or, or take our eyes off that that bright north star that we're aiming for, and that is the abolition of abortion. I think not only is some things that we can work on here at the state level, but there's also looking at the 14th Amendment from the federal level as well. There's hope. There's hope. Again, we just got to be faithful to what God is calling us to do each and every day. Over one million Ohioans actually voted to defeat Issue 1 on the ballot, so there's a strong uh, sentiment among Ohio voters against legalizing abortion to the ninth month. But there was also a lot of confusion with Issue 1, and there's those who actually voted for it that said, well, I'm not for late-term abortion. I'm certainly not for partial birth abortion. I think parents should have rights. Uh, so, but yet they voted for it, and so there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of money that was poured into this state, not only from national abortion issues, but now we're finding out from overseas. Radical leftists from Europe have actually, uh, billionaires, poured money into this state, affecting our state constitution. That's why we argued back in August that we needed to raise the threshold to 60%. Had we been successful on August 8th, raising the threshold to pass a constitutional amendment to 60%, which, by the way, the Democratic Party of Ohio, you have to have that and then some to change their state constitution as a, as a uh, political party. Yet they came out there as one of the loudest voices in saying, this is outrageous, it shouldn't be done. <laughs> well, uh, talk about hypocrisy and egg on your face with these people. Uh, yet, if we had raised it to 60%, that, then issue one would have not been law in Ohio, and it would have given us more time to continue to educate. And that's why I want to turn a corner here, Peter, a little bit, because one of the things that did awaken us as a pro-life community, as a, a pro-life uh, groups around the state, is the need to educate the youth. We saw the exit polls. We saw that uh, the younger they were, they voted more in favor of issue one. We can really look to basic our failure in reaching this younger generation, uh, older people who we had worked with for years, decades actually, actually voted to defeat Issue 1. As you, as you look at the percentage of the demographics of those and how they voted on Issues 1 and 2. But the younger generation, as you go uh, closer you know, to age 18 and you go down in your 30s, uh, the generation X's and Z's, uh, this is where we have a need for education among these people, like you talked about with the films. I remember the first horrific abortion film that I saw. It was called Silent Scream. When my wife and I mm -hmm. went to an event and we saw that film, it changed everything. We were then fully committed to the pro-life cause, understanding that it is life in the womb, and it truly is murder. 
But see, among people today, oh well, you're those are those are really aggressive terms, and that's hurting my feelings. And oh, you shouldn't be talking like that. They don't even enter into a debate anymore. They don't even encourage it in school or in college that there be a lively debate. It's all one-sided. The political left, the Marxists, have actually shut down any vigorous debate on any given discussion. In other words, the truth uh, can stand the tide and and uh, the stream of um, opposition. But when they won't even allow you to open your mouth to speak, therein lies the problem, isn't it, Peter? Without a doubt, and I'm reminded as you're speaking about uh, William Wilberforce, of course, the great abolitionist in Great Britain, who worked feverishly and for many years for the abolition of the slave trade. And one of the things he would do with the members of uh, Parliament there was bring them to the slave trip uh, ships. And uh, it was tough for the members of Parliament to go to these slave ships because you could smell the human refuse and the uh, just the human decay from these slave trips. Uh, that they would make uh, across the Atlantic, but it awakened those members of Parliament to the horrors of slavery. And in the same way, you know, some of these videos, whether they're produced by live action or it's some of the work that, you know, Created Equal is doing here in the state of Ohio, when you're confronted with the reality of those pictures or those scenes of children being slaughtered, uh, it makes you kind of wake up a little bit to the reality of what we're doing, because abortion becomes such a nebulous term. And of course, the left has done a great job in hiding the abortion behind, you know, kind of it's women's health care. Uh, there's nothing uh, health care about the abortion issue. I mean, you're wounding one patient, the mother, and then you're killing another. So there's nothing concerning health care in this abortion decision. With that being said, you know, going back to the election a little bit, you know, the other side did spend over $60 million uh, to pass issue one. Uh, we were outspent two to one in the campaign. And you had our, the media, over 29% of Ohioans who voted for issue one, believed that our side was, was lying. And some of that was because everything that we talked about that was true in the amendment, that this would affect parental rights, that this would affect other issues concerning reproductive decisions, like the transgender issue, whatever it may be, you know, the media would just say we're simply lying at the end of the day. So we've really got to find ways where we can go directly to those constituents that we lost. I mean, you mentioned young people, 18 to 29-year-olds voted 82% to 18% for issue one. So how do we reach them? And one of the ways that we're working with a group called Pro-Life Partners Foundation is to create a series of videos to talk about the dignity and value of human life, why human life should be protected, and to also talk about the 14th Amendment. You know, the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution was ratified in 1868. That was 10 years after scientists for the first time said in this country, look, human life begins at conception. And at that time in the country as well, you had all these pro-life books on the books across the United States of America. So in 1868, the 14th Amendment passed particularly for the issue of uh, freeing uh, slaves and making sure that slaves have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But when it mentions persons there, I believe it also, uh, those individuals at the time believed that meant the pre-born person as well, because there was laws on the book which forbid abortion in our nation. So I think there's got to be a national strategy to bring the 14th Amendment back to the Supreme Court of the United States. So that makes this upcoming presidential election also incredibly important as well. You're going to have a choice between a pro-choice Democrat who's going to want to appoint pro-choice judges, pro-abortion judges, and a pro-life president who's going to want to appoint pro-life judges to the United States Supreme Court. So not only are local races here in Ohio intensely important with our Supreme Court, 
but also nationally as well. We have to, for the sake and future of our nation, elect a pro-life president back in the White House. Uh, otherwise, uh, it's going to be really difficult in the years ahead uh, through education and through uh, legislative action to make a difference because, you know, again, the law remains a teacher. And as long as individuals are fighting for, like the Biden administration right now, you know, abortion on demand without restrictions, you can have the abortion pill, you can order it through the mail, not even having to consult a doctor. Um, it's just, it's, it's terribly sad and terribly disappointing uh, where this current administration is taking us, particularly because, you know, this administration also claims faith as a part of their found foundational principles, but nowhere in their actions can I see any faith based in what they're doing with the abortion issue. We're talking with Peter Range. He is the executive officer of Ohio Right to Life. The website is OhioLife.org. That's the website for Ohio Right to Life. It's OhioLife.org. Peter, uh, we're going to be working together at the State House as we have over the years. The Ohio Christian Alliance has always assisted the Ohio Right to Life as you've worked on legislation, and uh, we're happy to do so, and we'll continue the fight for life. And we've told people in our recent newsletter that we're going to continue this fight for life and that over a million Ohioans voted to defeat Issue 1. And this is no time to give up. This is a time to uh, re-engage and actually find a way that we can start educating these young people. In our December newsletter, we basically told the truth of what happened, and it was a terrible loss, uh, what the exit polls basically indicated, and what work we have to do. And even those of us, uh, organizations been around for decades, we need to start really engaging with young people. We need to work with crisis pregnancy centers. Uh, we need to work with local life groups on education of our young people. And the earlier, the better. And as moms and dads of Christian homes, you need to be teaching your children the life cause. Uh, you know, we raised eight children. We had, early on, we had them out there as sidewalk counselors uh, uh, back in the day and actually uh, picketing abortion clinics in Akron. And, uh, you know, we've, we've really raised our children with the value of life, and they hold that to this day. And so they are pro-life voters. And they speak up for the cause of life when they can. Well, we need to do the same as Christian parents. We need to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, valuing life as God gives life. And uh, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So today what we're talking about is the cause for life and saving the unborn and our elderly. And really, all, all human life is of value and is worthy of defense under civil law. And we're going to continue that battle. We're going to continue it here in Ohio. We're going to continue it across the country. And, Peter, what I learned is that there's a conservative movement reemerging in the state of Michigan. They were the first to fall to the um, abortion radical left uh, with, the, uh, with the first uh, amendment uh, in their constitution. But they're starting to reengage and to get back political office so they can turn the tide there. We need to do the same here in Ohio. Your thoughts? Yeah, that's 100% correct. And when I was looking at this particular, uh, you know, campaign that we underwent, you know, my home parish, for example, um, and, and I have a great pastor, a great deacon there and everything, you know, we heard one really strong homily uh, exhortation on issue one, and it was very clear to vote no. And they went through the reasons and said, you know, as, as Catholics, as Christians, we have a responsibility to vote vote this down because it takes innocent human life. But I tell you what, you know, one good homily or one good, you know, pulpit announcement 
that's not going to change uh, 50 years of a warped conscience because of Roe v. Wade. We need to be active as a church on a weekly, on a monthly basis in fighting for life. And so I encourage your listeners, no matter what platform they have, to be outspoken and vocal for the dignity and value of human life. And I've taken a lot of uh, just thankfulness in my heart when I hear, you know, quarterback C.J. Stroud, of course, graduate of Ohio State University down there with the Houston Texans now, Coach John Harbaugh, Coach Jim Harbaugh, who spoke at the March for Life, they're using their platforms to preach about the dignity and value of human life. We need to do the same, no matter if we're on a school board or, you know, we're working at a business or we're a plumber, wherever it is, not to be afraid to share the truth with our family, friends, and neighbors, because we remain in campaign mode. We cannot allow issue one to stand for long. we got to get back Thank to the you, ballot Peter. at some point in the next Absolutely. Yeah. Ohio Right to Life. That's ohiolife.org. Peter, thanks for being my guest. Thanks, Chris. God bless. God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. All right, thank you, Chris. This is Chris Long, host of New 